And I value the church. I take to heart the church, the importance of the church in my life. That's why it's recorded there in Matthew, Jesus speaking, and He said, I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. It's His church. And this is a church that it goes on and says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is the church. This is the rock of which I, or He is saying God there, God Himself, that I will put together my church. And this is a church that's so expansive, it's so powerful, there's so much energy and power moving within the church that it says that even the gates of hell will not be able to defeat the church. So see, if you're in the church, you are on the winning side. If you're in the church, if you're a part of the body of Christ, if you're a part of the church that God is teaching and preaching and telling us here, you're on the winning side. Well, we realize this is the first place in the New Testament there where the church is mentioned. This is the ecclesia. This is His bride of Christ. This is what He's preparing to return and, and bring back to Himself. It's the church. And I value the church. We must value and take care of the church, for this is Jesus Himself again speaking, the chief builder, and He's proclaiming that, hey, that is my church. It's the church that's at the center of His kingdom, and it's the church, the people, you and I, that actually make up the church. It's a kingdom that's so powerful and so expansive. It's a settled kingdom. It's a kingdom that's established, and it's His sovereign reign that's reigning over His kingdom because He is the King of kings. But as part of the church, as part of His bride, we do have a responsibility to connect people to His kingdom. To connect people to His church. There's nothing, somebody get this in your spirit, there's nothing like the bride of Christ. There's nothing like the church. It's a priceless church. It's that pearl of great price that's written about in Scripture. He values the church. And here this morning I ask you, do you value the church. The church is important. The church is vital. The church is very important to what God's wanting to do in this end time. I believe the value of the church is so important as we see in Scripture. Almost every letter that Paul would begin to write to us there in the New Testament, he would value the church. And one of those such places there in Philippians chapter 1, it says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. He's writing from a place of non-comfort. We can think about the times of Paul being there in prison in the jail cell and, and locked away in a dark place. But he's letting the church know that I value every remembrance. I value you, the body of believers, those that are in the body of Christ. He goes on in verse 4 and he says, Always, I'm always in every prayer of mine. God, he valued the church. So he's letting them know I pray for you each and every day. Making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So I believe if Paul valued the church that much, and he would mention it time and time again throughout Scripture, he would start every chapter, every first chapter, valuing the church, reminding the church of their importance and that I'm praying for you. This world needs... The church. This society needs the body of Christ strong and healthy and vibrant. As Bishop mentioned just a few moments ago, he needs the church. The church is what the answer is to this world because the church is what he uses to work through and in this time that we're in. We're in a messed up world and we realize that here today. I don't have to spend a whole lot of time telling you that there's a confusion in this world. But in a world that's full of confusion, uncertainty, and fear, and anxiety, there's immorality everywhere, there's evil, there's no greater need than the church, you and I, to stand for what is truth. There's no greater time that we must stand on the Word of God, and we must stand for what is truth. We must value the church, and we must also value what is truth. What is it that thus saith the Word of God? What is it that thus saith the Spirit of God working in you even here this morning? What is it? We must value that truth. Because of today, in this day, 
Evil's right in your face. Everywhere that we look, everywhere that we turn, the evil's right there prevalent. There's no hiding. No longer are there gray areas. No longer are there areas of possibility or just maybe so, maybe not. But right now, evil's right in our faces. It's coming against the church. And therefore, we must stand for what is true. We see it. We know it. We understand it. Everywhere that you look, evil is right there. Lines, as pastor's been bringing to us, lines are becoming much more defined. They're becoming much more clearer of what is truth. Unfortunately, we have to question everything. Everything that we hear, everything that we see, we have to filter that through the Word of God. And we have to filter it through the Spirit of God. Unfortunately, that's the world that we live in today. Everything that we hear, everything that we see, everything being promoted, we have to filter it through more than ever. The Word of God. What does the Word of God say? What is truth? We also have to filter it through that conscience on steroids, so to speak, which is the Holy Ghost that's working in and through us. Because again, lines are much more defined. Spiritually, we must be sensitive to what it is that we're fighting on a daily basis and also a weekly basis. I would hate to know what it would be like to go through this world without Jesus, without the Spirit of God, without God's Spirit, without the Word of God, working and filtering and directing our lives. Because there is spiritual warfare. There is good and there's evil. There are those that are against us and there are also those that are for us. So that's why we have to value the church. The reality is in this time where God's preparing to come back for that church that He so values, we have to realize that we are either believing God and we're obeying God or we don't. That's where we're at really today. We think about the lines and the decisions and the clarity that's coming to the church in this day and time. Is you're either for God or you're not. See, we have to realize we have to stand firmly because He values the church. He holds the church in high regard. He holds the body of Christ in high regard this morning. Because it's a valuable, it's a priceless church. He values the church. See, we are in a post-cancel culture world. This culture is not like a culture we've ever known before. This day, this generation. And we as believers in this time, this culture... There must be something settled in our spirits more than ever before for what is truth. There is no time in the body of Christ and the church in this day to be wavering for what is truth. There's no time to be questioning what is truth or what is salvation. Who is God? We have to start getting these things figured out. And you're in a good place for that. There are questions. If there are uncertainties, we believe in the Word of God. We believe as He inspired and as He gave direction to men and women of God and gave direction that He began penning the words of God. This is what is truth. And it's calling for a valuable church in this day to have something settled in our spirits. No longer as Christians and as followers of God can we be effective and do what the body of Christ is being called to do if there's not a confidence if there's not a settledness in what it is that we believe for Him. We don't believe in what it is that we're searching after and we're following after. He's asking us today to value it. Take hold of it. Take hold of the Word of God and see what it is that He wants to show you in the Word and also through the Spirit. It's the church. It's the people of God. That's what we value. I want to pause just for a moment and tell you, I value you all. And those of you that are watching, I value and I pray for you. And we must pray for one another because if we value the church, we would be praying for the church daily. If we value those that we're sitting with here today in this place and this morning, if we value them. I believe God wants us. He's urging us to, hey, pray for your brothers. Pray for your sisters. Because this is unsettled time. We must hold each other up in prayer. 
because you are the church. The church is not about this building. But we do appoint this place as a place of worship. We appoint this place as a place that we come together and to lift up the name of Jesus corporately as a body of believers. It's a sacred place. It's a place of prayer. It's a place of worship. We do value this place. But really the church is you and I. The church are those that you're sitting with here this morning. And we must value. Yes, we're thankful. We're thankful for this edifice. We're thankful for this new campus. God's blessed us so much. We honor and we reverence this place, but it's not about this location. It's not about 9491 Highway 412 West. Though God does things here in a special way, but you're what He really values. There's value in the church because this location, yet it is a building, this is a place where people can come. The hurting, this can serve as a hospital a spiritual place in which people can come and know that they're loved, know that they're cared for, know that they're going to be surrounded by a group of people that's trying with everything within us to seek after for what is truth, and that we're willing to help them along the way. We're willing to put our arms around them and say, we understand, such were some of us, but God's established and He's settled some, settled things. And that's why we have to be in a place where there's unwavering in our spirits. So we create an atmosphere where, again, God can move and minister freely. Today, people, unfortunately, they want Jesus. They want to be saved. They want to go to heaven. But they don't want the church. Unfortunately, they want Jesus Christ. They want a relation to Him. But too often, they shun the church. They shun His bride. They shun those that He's actually coming back for. But the truth is, the truth of the matter here today is you cannot have Jesus without the church. It sounds kind of odd, but the reality is His prized possession is the church, and you have to be a part of the church, the body of Christ, the believers, in order to really obtain Jesus when all is said and done. Why is it? Again, because we read it there in our beginning scripture, upon this rock I will build my church. And this church is a church that He's the head of. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 22 says, And hath put all things under His feet, and gave Him to be head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. He's the head. And I love the church. And again, I am convinced that now, this day and age that we're in, is the greatest hour of the church. And the revival that's taking place even now and will continue to grow needs a healthy, it needs a confident, and it also needs a bold church. We have to be a healthy church. We also have to be confident, settled, established. We also have to be a bold church. Again, unwavering. This end time revival that's taking place, it will take everyone, each and every one of us that's in the church. And you and I, as part of the church, must awaken out of slumber. If you're slumber, if you're sleepy, if you're just lackadaisical about things today, I'm asking you to awake out of your slumber. Those things that's attached to yourself and make sure that everything, that every area of our lives is focused on and around the kingdom of God. Because we do have a responsibility. You understand that this morning? you felt His presence, and you've had an encounter with Jesus Christ. It's our motto and our theme around here there in Acts 1 and 8. Yes, you're going to receive that power, but there's an obligation that comes with what it is that you and I have experienced. There is a responsibility to be witnesses, to connect others to the bride of Christ. Because again, since we've received revelation of what is truth, we must share that truth. Romans 13, verse 11, this is again Paul writing. This is to the church, this is to the believers, this is to those that had had revelation, those that had had an experience with Jesus Christ. He starts out there and just letting us know, hey, don't be remiss. He says, in that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. He's telling his church, wake up! 
Now it is high time to shake off any distraction, shake off any slumber, anything that's distracting us. He's asking you, hey, don't be remiss. But be awakened. It's high time for now. Everyone say now. Now is salvation nearer than when we believed. See, salvation is nearer than that time when you first experienced the presence of God. God's return is nearer than that first time that you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He's letting us know, hey, though your salvation is nearer, I'm asking you to wake up, arise out of your slumber. Verse 12, the night is far spent and the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Verse 14, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. There's a very clear depiction, explanation given here for the church to be awake, to be aware of the times. Paul's really admonishing the church here. I've prayed for you, church, but I'm letting you know, hey, don't delay, don't hesitate, don't put off that that you're in need of. He's letting you know we need to do a self-evaluation and realize that if there's anything that's distracting us in this day and time, now is our salvation nearer than ever before. Hey, don't hesitate. Don't put off. Don't wait that, hey, I, at some point I'm going to take care of that or I'm going to address that area of my life or I'm going to get a little bit more serious about the things of God. He's letting us know right there. He's preaching to the church. He's letting the church don't know. Don't hesitate. Don't put off. He's letting the church know that make sure that your passion is after the right things. Make sure that your passion, those things that you're eager about, make sure those priorities are in line with what it is that's really, really important because our salvation is nearer than ever before. So I ask you, church, what is your passion? I would hope we could say that our passion is after the things of God. See, when you look at the word passion, the word passion is a strong, barely controlled emotion. It's an emotion that's just driving. It's something that's deep down within our spirits. There's a passion, something that I can't hardly contain, but it's pushing me, it's urging me. That's what we're going to talk about here just for a few moments. What is our passion? What are we passionate about? Because if we value the church, we realize that He's coming back for the church. We have to look at our own lives. We have to evaluate our own spirits, our own minds, and see, okay, what is it that's really driving me here today? Passion is that something that gets all of our attention. Something within us. It's part of every day of our lives. Because the reality is you're passionate about something today. But the question is what? We're all passionate. There's something that drives us. There's something that, that, that gets us up each and every day. There's something that we long for. Do we long for getting in the presence of God and letting Him minister to us? Or do we long for getting to work? Do we long for making more money? We long to be successful in our careers, though there's nothing wrong with that. But is it, is it in line with the priorities that God asks us to have? Because again, we're all passionate about something. There's something each and every day, each and every week that's driving us. So what is that passion? He values the church. Do we have a passion for the things of God? Do we have a passion for making sure our lives are in right standing with the King of Kings? Or are we passionate, too passionate? Men and women to provide for our families, is that what drives us? Possibly. Are we driven by our hobbies? I know it's going to get real quiet in here. I'm okay. God's confirmed some things, and before we leave here, there's going to be some mass, there will be, a mass healing of some spirits, some hurts, 
all across the sanctuary. But what is it that's driving us? Is it the hobbies? It's throughout the day, it's what's driving our thoughts and our passions. Is it things that, are, that we're doing as far as hobbies? I enjoy hobbies. But is it hunting? Is it shopping? Is it the career that's driving us? Is it the keeping up with quote-unquote the Joneses and those that have all these things and obtaining these temporal things? What is it? You have to answer that for yourselves, but I do pose that question again. What is it that you're passionate about today? Do our passions please the King? Do our hearts desire the things that are constantly running in our minds are those things pleasing to our King? Is my life pleasing to the King? Because I'm going to read it again, and Bishop read it just a few moments ago, and he could have just went ahead and preached it. But Paul did say there, Bishop, in Philippians 3 and 10, that I may know Him. That I may know Him. That lets us know there was a passion, there was something that was driving Paul. That I may know Him in the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering, being made conformable unto His death, if by any means that I might attain, if there was an attain there, there was a passion, there was something that was driving him because he let us know, hey, there's something I've got to keep pushing for. There's something I've got to keep going after that I may attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that which also I am apprehended. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, Forgetting those things that are behind, those things that had driven me before, I'm forgetting those things. And I'm reaching forth unto those things which are before. I do press towards the mark. I'm pressing towards what is pleasing to God. I'm pressing towards the high calling of Jesus Christ. That passion, that apprehension. Paul got to a place in his life where there was that revelation that, hey, I've got to start pushing towards and apprehending the things that are really important. See, to apprehend something means you've got to get a hold of it. You've got to cease it. So as we value the church and we talk about the importance of the church here today, God's asking us, He's wanting us to leave here today realizing, hey, each and every one of us, will you apprehend what's drawing you? Will you get a hold of what it is that's drawing you in your spirit and stop letting the passions of this world drive you? The reality is, is that each and every one of us will stand before the King of Kings one day. No doubt Brother Joe McKnight was probably preparing to preach this very morning. They've been in the middle of conference and things down there at their church, but did Brother Joe McKnight know that he was going to be before his master sometime late yesterday? The reality is, what is your passion? Are they temporal? Are they eternal? Do they line up with what it is that God has for each and every one of us here today? Again, what is it that we're apprehending? That thing that's drawing you, that thing you've been feeling for quite some time, God's been working in your spirit. Pastor Todd, he's just asking us, hey, go ahead and apprehend what I'm trying to do in your life. Go ahead and get a hold of it. Go ahead and seize what it is that I'm drawing you to today. I do pray that there's a clear revelation, a clear understanding to what it is that God's leading each and every one of us in our lives. Because we must have a passion for God. We must have that strong feeling, something that's longing within us, something that's driving us to accomplish what it is that God's wanting to do in our lives. See, I want you to understand that what I'm bringing to you this morning, I didn't know it until just a few minutes before church, but Sister Michaela mentioned it in the the youth team, they're actually ministering pretty much along the same lines here because we're facing a transition and we're going to talk about hurts. Began to share what it is that they're going in, they're teaching it there in your, your youth. They're in Unleashed Student Ministries. If you have someone in there, they're hearing right along the same lines. 
this morning. And they're going to come join us at the end here in just a few moments. We're going to pray together. But I ask you, Mom and Dad, if your family was to ask you what it is that you're passionate about, what drives you, what would their answers reflect? We asked little John and little Susie, what is it that you think your family's passionate about? What's mom and dad? What drives them each and every day? What would it be that their answers could reflect this morning? Would it be those temporal things? Because again, Paul had that revelation. When you look back in Philippians chapter 3, he realized there had to be something else that was going to drive him. He had to realize he had to apprehend something differently because when you look at verse 5 and 6, you read about his wonderful lineage and you, you see that he was circumcised the eighth day. He was doing things right. He was, came out of that stock of Israel. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. And that if anyone could be a bit proud of where he was as a man, as the temporal things, hey, hey, Paul was saying, I was at, I was at a good place. But the revelation had came that when he goes on and says that all those things, I was of the right family. I come from the right, the right place in the city. I lived in the right place. I had a good family name. I had all these things. I'd done things accordingly as the law had taught. But there in verse 6, he goes on to say that, hey, I counted all these things, but done. Concerning zeal and persecuting the church, all these things I had accomplished, where I was from, my family heritage, my bloodline, all the knowledge that I had attained, all these things are but naught. Because he realized he had to be in right standing with the Savior. I realized that God valued the church and he was going to have to value the church even that much more and he was going to have to redirect himself. He was going to have to look at his priorities and realign some things. See, there was a revelation that Jesus Christ in Paul's life had to be much more than just an acquaintance. It had to be something that he got a hold of. There had to be an apprehension where he would connect with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There had to be a different thing that was driving him, a different passion in his life. Because again, there's great value in the church. It's last weekend that I had the privilege to speak to at a men's conference over in Huntington and felt God had directed me in something. We had a great, it was a great, great time last Saturday and some of you were there. But as I was there ministering and right in the middle of preaching, Actually, the Lord said, hey, I want you to preach this part next Sunday. God began showing me some faces. He began showing me some things that he's wanting to do here in FPC and in the church. And I don't know about you, but I thought, God, can you deal with me this later? <laughs> let's, let's discuss this thing later. But it was literally right in the middle of ministering some different things. He said, hey, here's, here's what's going to take place next, next Sunday. It was to let some people know and to realize that there are wounded spirits, there are hurts, there's injuries, if you will. God's wanting to heal some wounded spirits. So I see and able to really apprehend God and apprehend everything that He has for us, we have to realize that that requires an intimate relationship with Him. And intimacy a lot of times with God and having an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, a lot of times that gets us at a vulnerable place. It puts us in a vulnerable spot. But see, to have an intimate relationship with God, it, again, as we get to a place of vulnerable, and we have to start releasing things. We have to start releasing things that out of our control. We, we have to start getting to a place where we try to take care of those wounds and those hurts. Those injuries, if you will, that's been in your spirit for quite some time. We have to get to a place where we realize that, okay, 
flesh has done all I can do with those wounds and those hurts. And I'm going to have to be vulnerable. I'm going to have to open myself up and trust God. There's great value in His church. And then again, as I mentioned a moment ago, the revival that He's wanting to end this world as we know it in, it's going to take a healthy church. It's going to take those wounded spirits, those hurts that we've been walking around with for quite some time. We're going to have to let God heal those things and let there be a completion. Because see, those wounds, those hurts in our spirit, they have to be mended in order for God to completely and thoroughly do everything that He wants to do in our lives. Charles Spurgeon made a quote, and it says, When God means to make a man great, He always breaks him into pieces. Nick's translation, in order to accomplish everything that He wants in our lives, through ministry, through connecting with family, through being the church that He wants us to be, He always takes us and He breaks us into pieces and He starts putting things in the right place. See, when God breaks us, as they sung that song just a few moments ago, beautifully broken, when He breaks you, He doesn't do it to hurt you. He doesn't do it to bring shame on you or to to make things confusing to you. But actually, when God begins breaking things in our lives, He's actually removing things that are hindering a relationship with Him. He begins removing things that are of distraction where He's trying to do His completions and He's trying to make you, help you to go deeper in the things of God. He begins to beautifully break things. Because again, we like to have control. We don't like being vulnerable. Brother Nick, I do have wounds. I do have hurts. I do have things that have went on in years past. I don't like being vulnerable and asking God, the great architect, to really design something so beautifully in my life. Because this was a hurt. This was something that I was injured of. But it's wounded my spirit. There's tension in our homes. God can't continue to help us and to lead us because we have those wounds in our homes. God's here to mend some things today. Marriages are struggling. Husband and wife. There's deep wounds. There's deep things that are going on from past. God's here and He's wanting to heal those things even this very day. There's strongholds that we've been fighting with for quite some time. But it all goes back to past spiritual hurts, spiritual wounds that we've been carrying around for way too long. God's wanting to break some of those things here today. And He wants to fill that void. He wants to beautifully put things back together. I'm 100% convinced as we start allowing God to do the things and do the completion in our lives and we start having a passion for everything that God has for us, that every other area of our lives will be favored and blessed of God. So for those that may have had a hesitancy in your spirit just a few moments ago when we asked what your passions are, career may have popped up there. Providing well for our families, it may have popped up there. It may have been something. It's not that it's wrong. But God's asking you today, we allow Him to fill that void, those things that are driving us here today. See, the reality is that great human dilemma is we all have that power of choice. As God begins to make things clear in our hearts and in our minds and He begins leading us and maybe directing us in a path that maybe we're not so comfortable with, we have that power of choice whether we choose to continue living the life that we're living. Sir, ma'am, do we choose to walk out and not let God heal us and continue living in a life of 
of misery and hurt, discouragement, torments. Lord, we come before a King of kings and a Lord of lords that values you because you are a part of the church. And he's asking you to go a little bit further. Here today, power of choice. That we continue to fight with that thing that we're struggling with, that stronghold, those things that have been coming against our flesh. That we continue to blow the Spirit of God off. That we continue to go about our same way or do we ask God, okay God, though it's uncomfortable, I'm willing to be vulnerable in your presence. I'm willing to be vulnerable and to open myself up and let God heal some things in our spirit. Because church, He values, He values you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to be intimate and vulnerable with our God. Because again, He's the King of kings. He's in complete control. He's fully aware of what's going on. And He's here and He's going to meet us here in just a few moments in a special way. Wounded spirits. Hurts that we've never quite gotten past. He sent me here today to ask you, don't allow past wounds, past hurts to keep you Going deeper and further in the things of God. There are things suffered in our past that happen even by those that were in the church. Those wounds, those hurts, they came from people that were even in the church. But God's wanting to restore us and He's wanting to break things and put things completely in our past. Two more things and I'm done. See, when we have a wounded spirit, when we're at a place of hurt, it's a lot like having a physical injury or a physical cut or a physical wound. Most of us, I believe, we can remember as a child as you would get cut or have a bicycle wreck or mom get hit by a rock flying as we were throwing rocks at each other and get hit right above the eye. I remember that. That was a wound that was right there, right in the eye, but any of us ever had a wound or a hurt really for it to be able to heal correctly, mama would clean it. Anybody ever been there, done that? It wasn't always the, the nicest experience having a cut or a wound, but they'd begin pouring peroxide or seen them pour just straight alcohol, all these different things that they would put on those wounds. It was, it was to clean it. It was to get it pure. It was to get it to a place where it could heal correctly. It's the same thing spiritually. When there's been those spiritual wounds, those spiritual hurts that's taken place in our lives. We have to get to a place where it has to be cleaned appropriately in order for that to heal and this is something that can be very painful because I remember having the peroxide poured over a cut or it would begin bubbling. It would let you know, hey, things clean. It's doing what it's supposed to do, but you would get a quite painful sensation there for a few moments as that alcohol or whatever was being used was, was cleaning the wound. This is a painful step. It's painful. We think about our spiritual wounds and our spiritual hurts. It's really painful to become vulnerable because it, it causes us to have to actually remember and bring remember and bring back up the hurt, the wound. It brings it back to the forefront of our mind. But God's wanting to cleanse us. See, most spiritual wounds are caused by others, but we ourselves can really be the cause to most of the damage because we've chosen not to deal with it. We bring more injury, more hurt, more damage to that wound because we choose to try to put it to the back of our mind, put it to the back of our spirits and, and not deal with it. Especially when it's a wound that was brought on not by us. But no matter the cause of that 
that spiritual hurt, that spiritual wound that you're dealing with today, unforgiveness is really at the root. We have to deal with unforgiveness because, again, we have to ask God to help us forgive really ourselves. Because see, as God, as this end time revival, as we continue to go forward and to push and to do things, that God needs the whole body of Christ. He's going to need the whole church. But we get to a certain point in Him, and God's asking us to go a little bit deeper, and then all of a sudden we start realizing that God's wanting to work and minister through us even more and more and, and to do even more for Him. Then all of a sudden that big ugly wound, that big ugly injury raises its head again, and we start thinking and dwelling on it. We can't move past it, so it becomes, it becomes a hindrance. It becomes a hindrance. It becomes a wall that goes between us and what it is that God's wanting to do in our lives. See, again, you are valuable to the body of Christ. You're valuable to the kingdom. We also, when we think about a wound... Brother Nathan, you can come back. It has to be cleaned, and then also we usually start putting bandages over it. We start trying to, to cover it up. We start trying to put layers over it of emotions and feelings. We start trying to bury that thing as far as we can, but because, again, we think we're trying to protect it. Just as we have an injury, if we put a Band-Aid or a wrap or a gauze on that cut or that wound, or if we have a broken arm or something hurt, we want to bind it up. We want to bury it. We don't want to deal with it. God's asking us, will you let him mend it today? Will you allow God to actually come into this place? He's already here. We're fixing to pray together in about three or four minutes. God's asking you, will you take that wounded spirit, that hurt, that injury, that damage, and allow Him to mend it today? See, in Psalms 147 and 3, it says, He healeth the broken in heart, and He bindeth up their wounds. Really what God's wanting to do here today is He's asking you, will you begin to uncover, gets us to a place of vulnerability, gets us to an uncomfortable place. This is a painful place. Because those wounds and those hurts that have even been coming to your minds even in the last few minutes since we've been discussing this, God's asking you, will you take fleshly hands off those wounds and those hurts and those hang-ups and the things that have been distracting and hindering Will you allow Him to take those things that have been coming to our minds this morning and let Him mend things. Let Him put things back together in a right way. Because again, He doesn't want to hurt you. He wants the very best for your life because He values His church. Wounded spirits are hindering the church. Hurt spirits, things that you had nothing to do with, no control over. God gave me very clear direction and word. That they're, they're hindering the moves of God. We have great church. We're having wonderful church, and we'll continue to have good church. But there's another level that he's asking FPC to go into. There's another dimension. There's something greater that God's wanting to pour out here. He said, let the church know I've got to deal with some wounded spirits, some things that they've harbored control over. They've got to begin releasing some things to me. To see a wounded spirit, a hurt, we don't deal with it. We keep picking at it. It keeps coming back. We keep irritating that scalp. It's tried to scalp over when we get to picking at it. We pull that scalp back off, and then it starts working on our minds again. Because it was never healed completely. It never really developed that scar. Because we never handed over that wound, that hurt, 
really the master, the master position, the great doctor. See, an injury or a hurt, a wound that never fully heals, it hinders one's performance, not just as it would, as we would think of an athlete, if they never heal correctly, if they're playing sports. It also affects the church. It affects you and I. Because if that wounded spirit, if that hurt never really heals completely and correctly, it hinders our effectiveness. It hinders our performance as the bride of Christ. Because it affects confidence we read at the beginning that having that confidence and that boldness in God at the worst time that wound that hurt it'll always come back to the front of our mind when God's trying to do something supernatural or tip us to go a little bit deeper it'll rear its ugly head and it calls us not to be effective because again as he wants to take us to a deeper dimension to deal with some wounded spirits, some hurts. To see our hurts, it's our wounds. Again, they cause distractions. And then again, when we're distracted, we can't be effective the way God would want us. Can we all stand together? Can we bow our heads? head bowed. We reflect in our minds here for just a moment. No doubt things that have come to different ones' spirits and they've come back to the forefront here in the last few moments. I didn't come to ruin your day today and say, well, why are you bringing up things that have happened in the past? Hurts and wounds and things that I thought were going away with. God's wanting to take you to a new dimension. He's wanting to reveal Himself in deeper and mightier ways than ever before in your life. He's wanting us to know that we have to deal with some of these wounds. That way they never distract us again. As Shea Dubai said, and I quote, Healing doesn't mean that damage never existed. It means the damage no longer controls our lives. It doesn't mean that we were never hurt. It never means we didn't ever have a wound. But when it's scarred over, it doesn't mean things didn't happen. It just means I'm no longer going to let that damage control my life. no longer is going to hinder what it is God's wanting to do in my life. To see where we are is not where we're going to stay. Our past wounds and our hurts do not have to determine our future. And that's where we're really at. Past hurts and past wounds, past discouragement, things that I've never really effectively dealt with. God's asking us here today, telling us, hey, don't let these things determine your present or even your future because there's greater things, there's deeper things I'm wanting to do in your life. And I close with Proverbs 18, verse 14. As our heads are bowed, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear. Our spirit will sustain us. He's letting us know if it's a wounded spirit, if it's an injured spirit, if there's damage done to that spirit, who can bear it? So we have to ask ourselves here tonight, or this morning, excuse me, how, how's your spirit? How's our spirit? They're going to begin singing here in about 30 seconds. I want to pray over you as we bow our heads and we're going to have an altar call.
in just a few moments, our kids are going to probably be coming, as they're finishing up, they're going to come and our youth are going to come join us at the altar. There's also wounded spirits in that unleashed room. There's hurts and damage that God's wanting to heal and restore us because He takes us to another dimension as He's taking us a little bit further, a little bit deeper in the things of Him. We've got to become vulnerable, church, and we've got to ask God, God, I need you to clean this spirit. I need you to clear this wound and this hurt. Can we pray together and then we're going to come to the altar and this is going to, we're going to come together. We want to come those that have wounded spirits, wounded hurts, God's going to do a mass healing all across this place, all across the front. He's going to let that thing scar over and He's going to beautifully begin putting things into their right place. And the others that are going to come and we're going to pray together is those that God's evaluated your life here this morning. He's showed you some things that, hey, maybe I'm not as passionate about some things that I need to be passionate about. Maybe my passions are directed here and there and they're not really being in the priority and in line with what it is that God has for us. But I believe there's some made up minds in this sanctuary this morning realizing that, okay, God, today is the day when I'm going to start apprehending. I'm going to start apprehending and grabbing hold to some things that are eternal. We close our eyes together, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. God, there's nobody like you, oh God. Lord, I know there's spirits of wounds here today, God, that you're wanting to heal, that you're wanting to make complete, that you're wanting to make whole, God. God, right now, I pray for a spirit of courage and boldness to come over this sanctuary, oh God. Lord, as we step out here in just a few moments, God, I'm going to go to that altar, God. I'm going to allow you to clean some things in my spirit, God. I'm going to allow you to mend some wounds, some hurts that I've been holding on to for way too long. Because, God, I want to go deeper. I want to go further in the things of you, oh God. God, here today, I need you to mend some things in my spirit. God, give courage for those that are wanting to apprehend some things. They're wanting to have a passion for the things of God. God, I know you're going to do a healing in their spirit, God. You're going to give them a boldness and a courage to make the right decisions, oh God. In Jesus' name, oh God. At the count of three, these altars are open. We're all going to come together this morning. We're going to let God mend some things in our spirit.